Ohio. Ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is the leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. And happy 4th of July to you all. Everywhere, I, I, I looked at the, uh, I looked at the uh, range map of this signal. Dear God. A little bit bigger, and we're taking up the entire southeast. GS Plumbing Talk Line is one eight hundred nine zero five zero nine eight nine. The Common Sense Retirement Planning Text Line is seven one three zero seven. On the text line, somebody was get, getting a little upset about this uh, this uh, rant, this this shooting that was being discussed or, or being brought up. And um, here's the deal with any of that stuff. Uh, that's what's in the news. That's what's in the news. That's what's in the news. And as far as what the news guys do, they're not going to do a deep dive into that. That's my job to do a deep dive into that. We don't, and on this particular one, we don't know the details yet. We don't know, and, and the details make it all. They, they make it all. And unless you're wanting to get out there and be completely, I don't know, completely, it's all conjecture. If you, unless you want to go that way, I don't get it. So, but the one thing I do like is that uh, obviously this person that's texting is does critical thinking and gets out there and sees things for what they are, E-I-E-I-O. I would be remiss if I did not tell you that the show is streaming live on Facebook. For those of you that want to watch the radio show, it's very compelling. <laughs> Let's talk about Trump. Trump is a lot of things. Trump, uh, and he gets called a lot of things by both sides of the aisle. Right now, Chris Christie, who hasn't got a snowball's chance in any direction, is out there, and he is, uh, well, he's he, he's out there, and he's calling Trump a loser. And, you know, what he's doing is he's describing the electoral shortcomings for the Republican Party under Trump in 2018, 2020, and 2022. However, remember this, Ronan McDaniel was in charge of the GOP. And uh, Mitch McConnell was in charge of the Senate. And up to 2018, Republicans, Paul Ryan, he was in charge of the House. So Trump is many things, but he is not the all-master being of time, space, and dimension. Now, some of these guys want to make him that, though. Ben Shapiro, who's very popular. Everybody loves Ben. Everybody loves him. He said, many Republicans still think Trump's a winner. Even after his losses in the 2018 midterm election, 2020 presidential election, 2021 Georgia Senate races, and 2022 midterms. When they don't, he drops in the polls, as in December 2022. It will be candidate Ron DeSantis' job to remind Republican voters that Trump has won precisely one election in the last seven years. It will be job, the job of the Republican voters to acknowledge that reality. Well, first of all, that means that you are accepting, at face value, the 2020 election. And you're ignoring the fact that in 2020... Despite all of the hatred for Donald Trump, he somehow got 11 million more votes. He got 75 million votes in a fixed, rigged election. So that tells me in a non-rigged election, where we don't have a bunch of people working behind the scenes to get those 42,000 electoral votes, which the popular vote means nothing anyway, um, you know, uh, Trump wins. Trump's just winning. 
And first of all, we should never sit back and go, oh, Ben Shapiro, you, you, you dirty so-and-so. Never, never should do that. He could, he could very well lose in 2024. But in order, I think in order for him to lose in 2024, it'd have to be the same way he quote lost in 2020. But he will be no different than any other Republican presidential candidates uh, since 1988. Only two Republicans have won the presidency since 1992. Now, GOP commentators, uh, they love to hate Barack Obama, but they forget, forget that he mopped the floor with John McCain and Mitt Romney. You know. And John McCain got destroyed by a one-term senator by a margin of 365 to 173 in the Electoral College. Um, Mitt Romney, 332 to 206. And in that one, don't forget that Christie himself sort of helped out there effectively campaign for Obama in the final days. So, instead of learning from that sort of shellacking that was going on, um, everybody got ready to coalesce behind Jeb Bush. And then Donald Trump came in, <laughs> and that upended everything. And in just a few short years, the Bushes and the McCains and the Romneys, they became afterthoughts. They're in, they are in the rearview mirror, and they are. And let's not forget that Biden's presidency was enabled by part, in part by prominent figures in the pre-2016 Republican Party. So, you know, the GOP, okay, so they weren't as successful in 2018, 2022, but uh, in 2018, they lost the House majority. But Trump was only the third sitting president in over 100 years to gain Senate seats, which was significant. In the 2020 election, although they didn't retake the House and lost the presidency, they outperformed polling expectations in congressional races. Because polling is a false, false statement. Polling is not anything. So now they, you know, th then we have to start, we have to start clutching onto things to say, see, see, this is why this is this way. So we look at Herschel Walker and Mehmet Oz and their losses and everything in what appeared to be very winnable Senate races. And they say this reflects badly on Trump. But. I think it goes way beyond that. I think incumbency has a lot to do with it. And all incumbents in swing, swing states won re-election. And the lone flip was in Pennsylvania when Pat Toomey retired. And they underperformed in races in which Trump was not involved, like Tiffany Smiley in Washington. She was expected to be competitive with Patty Murray. Adam Laxalt, the GOP candidate who led his Nevada Senate race all summer, according to polling data, lost to his Democratic opponent. Laxalt didn't have any help from him. And Laxalt is very, very capable. That This can't be blamed on Trump. They suffered other disappointments as well. In L.A., Rick Caruso was supposed to be competitive with Karen Bass, but he was, he was, he was torn up. And then there's the 2020 special election in Georgia that they love to go and look at. Surely the suggestion of the rigged election swayed those results. Or maybe it was because it was David Perdue and, and Kelly Loeffler running for those seats. Both extraordinarily weak, weak candidates. Perdue was very unpopular in the state. Further, you know, he ran for governor again and he got 
he got trounced. Trump supposedly had enough influence in Georgia to control the 2020 Senate race, but he couldn't push Purdue past the 22% mark in the GOP primary. And this was less about people buying into Trump's uh, fraud, fraud stuff and uh, more about They felt bitter seeing Trump lose to a brain-dead radical leftist, I think. So for anybody that wants to challenge Trump, okay, for anybody that's up there, and I mean this about anybody, and the only one who's actually articulating anything right now is DeSantis, who will still stay, he will remain competitive all the way through. And he's on the national stage from this point on. Everybody else has got to come up with something other than the fact that Trump is not electable. That's, that's nothing. If the GOP electoral strategy was to, uh, you know, attract independent voters, then Susan Collins would be the current frontrunner, not Trump or DeSantis. You would nominate a candidate just to the right of Biden. And in practice, of course, Collins would never be a viable Republican candidate. So the GOP has been telling you for years to accept people like Bob Dole and John McCain and Mitt Romney and Jim Bush, all in the name of electability. And this isn't about electability. This is not about a popularity contest. This is about the nation. Now, we could sit here and debate about whether or not Trump is electable in 2024, but if he got 75 million votes in 2020 in a rigged election, and he was so hated and despised, how is that even possible? So... Electability is not a consideration. If anybody gets out there, you know, I'm waiting to see what Asa Hutchinson has to say. I'm sure he'll get out there and say, well, you know, Trump, we just don't think he's electable. Well, who's we? I'm sure you don't because you're, you, your hat's in the ring. None of these candidates have generated any excitement. And we had, third, what, 20, 20 some odd thousand people in Pickens when Donald Trump showed up. So anybody that wants to take on Trump to beat the man, you're going to have to, or to be the man, you're going to have to beat the man. And the man is not as unelectable as everybody says. As a matter of fact, I, I find that to be the chink in everybody's armor who's going to sit back and rely on that about going, well, you know, Trump loses in the general. Uh, well, you know, when you've got milk toast candidates like the Bushes and the McCains and the Doles and the Romneys of the world, and you're, you're sticking them out there in the name of electability, Whoever is the consultant making these decisions, they should be hung or flogged or beaten with a wet noodle, something. That's not strategy to get out there and say, oh, but these people like him so much. It's not about popularity. So grab something nice and cold to drink and some popcorn and let's sit back and watch these guys fight it out. And it's only going to be two of them that actually fight it out. The other, the other is going to be sitting there waiting on one of one of the big dogs to fall, and none of the neither of the big dogs will fall. The GOP bench, if we were to exploit it, is very very deep. We got DeSantis, we got Vivek Ramaswamy, we got all these guys in the House and everything that may ascend to to higher office. We'll see some a senator or two. I'm not I'm not a big Senate fan. Get away from the electability argument, though. That's a stupid one. That 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 way is the way of uh, 
I don't know. That's not the thing that I would sit back and uh, make, you know, this would not be the hill I died on. Trump is electable. He is very electable. And we'll see. We'll see come primary time. Right now he's in the he's in the lead. For all I know, he will remain in the lead. If he becomes the candidate, I will vote for him. I will support him. And we need to make sure that everybody else in government, all of his cabinet members and all of the all of the members in Congress that have an R behind their name, we need to make sure that they support the president as well. Because he can't do it by himself, without a doubt. So. When we get back, one of the big problems that uh, the uh, that the government has is too many of us remember what freedom is. And that's an issue. This is News Talk 98.9 WORD. Really good line out of the Game of Thrones. The North remembers. GS Plumbing Talk Line is one eight hundred nine zero five zero nine eight nine. The Common Sense Retirement Planning Text Line is seven one three zero seven. Streaming live on Facebook on the WORD ninety eight nine page for if that is your cup of tea. Um, a lot of things. A lot, a lot of people want to look at a lot of things and say, you know what? This has been lost in time. But it hasn't, it has not been lost in time. People have collective memories, but you know, all of us, I, I was, a, I, you know, I was, I was coming of, a, you know, I was, I was a child in the 60s. I came of age in the 70s. I remember things as they were. I remember things in the 80s. The 80s was a great decade. Well, the first half of the 80s was a great decade. Then the music took a took a sharp. After 85, it sort of went sort of sideways for me. I come from an era that remembers. Some of these memorials that you see for people happened in my time. Some of these things that you hear about, I've walked on that dirt. And I'm not alone. I'm not unique. I've been other places where they were happy to see us. Where they were happy to think that we were there. Where it was comforting for them to know that we were on their watch for them. And I watch these people with the World Economic Forum, the D.C. elite, all these guys, trying to transform the world into some sort of technocratic dystopia where a very few international, quote, elite will monitor and manipulate everybody else. And I realize they've made a really big error in their calculation. And that's problematic. Uh, because there's some people that will simply never submit to tyranny. And some of them are combative, rebellious spirits 
who would rather spit up blood than obey a tyrant. And this is not based on one genetic line or anything else. They, and you can't stamp us out. You can't cancel us. You can't get rid of us. And you certainly will not forget us. They come from everywhere. They look like everything. There's white faces and black faces. Asians. Hispanics. Eastern Europeans, all of them, a lot of them have come from places where they didn't have freedom and they, they ran here for the freedom. Every time the, the tyrants get out there, the, the, the uh, totalitarians, every time they get out there and try to tighten the noose, we strain and we rebel more. So, I exist in the state constantly where I exist in both dread and hope. The dread part of it comes from the fact that humanity has not seemed to learn any lesson from the various things that it has tried and, and failed at. And so, therefore, they, can, they continually, the, the ones that are so weak in their mind that they have to control everybody else as well, um, they continue to push the edge of the envelope and they're going to they're going to finally come up against something that isn't going to move and then it's going to be on it's going to be on we have recently withstood crimes against humanity like forced experimental medical treatments and you know the forced climate change nonsense is being forced on us. And the one government one world government types who wish to control all the farming methods and the hydrocarbon engines and you know, depending on things that are just put in place for them in order for them to actually have that control. We have paper money that's backed by nothing. Warrantless government surveillance, which is always a big sign. And those those guys that were dumb enough to believe that they existed in the in America and went to the went to the you know Indian territory where they went to the house on January sixth, they've been persecuted and, and they're trying to prosecute them as insurrectionists, while Antifa and Black Lives Matter terrorists walk free. They forget one thing. One big thing they forget is that the they their legitimacy is based upon our consent they think that your life and their and your labor belongs to them and art and culture and imagination and innovation this is what makes a civilization flourish so it's a very simple very simple uh, thing to consider they want you to give up everything you have made for yourself. Everything you hold dear. Everything you value. They want you to give it up and surrender to this never-ending, technologically-induced, joyless sleep. They want to replace God with a politically correct digital imposter. They would rather push us toward extinction than allow farmers to grow food and feed a hungry world. They would rather centralize all this power into the hands of a few than admit that decentralized power has been a... It's necessary for us to invent and, and to live in peace. And they're willing to kill you to, to save the planet. And uh, 
The new world globalists see people as things that should be dragged back into a feudal past when the lords were masters over slaves. But everybody, everybody, our, our, our human condition dictates that we seek freedom. So, on this Independence Day, while you're getting up there and you're firing up the grill and you're doing all this stuff and you're toasting each other and everything, remember one thing. Our natural state is to be free. And some of us remember what that really felt like. Not like it feels today. What it feels like today is they're trying to change things. Independence Day should be a day for you to remember the things that the bottomless deep state wants you to forget. This is why they tear down history. That's why they permit Antifa to topple statues of Washington and Adams and Jefferson and Madison. Because those guys were willing to sacrifice everything they had and everything they were in order to gain freedom. They want to delete the Declaration of Independence from your memory. They want you to forget that heavily outmatched militias during the Revolutionary War successfully fought for freedom against an empire supposedly too powerful to beat. If the bottomless state had its way, you would be brainwashed into this belief that the United States is more than no more than a historical accident founded on genocide, slavery, and white supremacy. So if you can t turn the America into something that's evil, then it's something that must be, be defeated by the people that know better, right? But the problem is that those that remember, that's the problem. In the Netherlands, they've come up with a new way to treat autism, which is sort of horrifying. This is News Talk 98.9 WORD. You know, for those people that are born autistic, that is not curable. And, 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 you know, it happens. It happens, and uh, it's very unfortunate. I know they're looking into it, but it does happen. The GS Plumbing Talk line is 1-800-905-0989. The Common Sense Retirement Planning Text Line is 71307. Why is that not like where I can see that? Um, we're constantly pointed to Scandinavia and other countries in that various, era, you know, European countries and Scandinavian countries as perfectly set up in certain places. Some of these countries have a very homogenous population, though. Some of these countries have adopted a model of what, the, the easiest way to put it is assisted suicide. And now in the Netherlands, it is considered a legitimate reason to be, to, to have the state kill you if you have autism. And uh, this is, you know, this is bad. That's that's a really, I mean, if you want to get out there and, and you're looking for a sign, that's a bad sign. This is full Nazi. You should never go full Nazi. During World War II, you know, Hitler, everybody talks about his focus on the Jews and that, you know, but before that happened, 
The overreaching goal was to eliminate the reproduction and or existence of human beings considered to be gen- genetically deficient, and that included the handicapped, especially the mentally handicapped, which they would go, the, the Nazis would go into various homes and institutions that had all of these people there, and they would kill them. Not allowed to exist. In the Netherlands now, if you are an autistic person or if you have some defect that makes you intellectually challenged, they're implicitly encouraging you to off yourself, to kill yourself. And we get this. Netherlands programs have euthanized otherwise healthy individuals with autism and intellectual handicaps in recent years, researchers have found. Five individuals under the age of 30 who cited autism as a factor in their decision to seek legal euthanasia are among the cases reviewed by specialists at the UK's Kingston University. Factors directly associated with intellectual disability and or ASD were the sole cause of suffering described in 21% of the cases and a major contributing factor in a further 42% of the cases. They noted that in many cases, doctors determined there was no prospect of improvement for intellectually challenged individuals because there's no treatment for their handicap. Reasons for the EAS, Euthanasia and Physician Assisted Suicide, requests include social isolation and loneliness, 77%, lack of resilience or coping strategies, 56%, lack of flexibility, uh, you know, they, they, they just stuck in their ways, they would tell you, 44%, and oversensitivity to stimuli, whatever that means, 26%. In one-third of the cases, they noted there was no prospect of improvement as ASD and intellectual disability are not treatable. So are we saying, you know, how messed up is that? How messed up is it to exist in a world where if you're lonely, they'll be quite accommodating and they'll kill you? They'll be happy to take care of that. You're lonely, no problem. This is the new definition of compassion, I guess, in extensive welfare states for the disabled. This and See, this is the thing. This is the thing. When you get out there and you create a welfare state, then you start looking for ways to cut costs. And these people that are uh, autistic, if that's the only thing we're going to look at, um... You know, they are, they, they become a drain on the system. They, you know, I, I, I'm thinking about this and I'm just trying to put it in a way that, I mean, I'm, I'm, I've never looked at another human being and said they are better off dead. I've never done that. I really haven't. This is an extension of the push to abort babies who've been diagnosed with Down syndrome, an incurable condition caused by a chromosomal anomaly. And like in uh, Iceland, for example, they have no Down syndrome babies born. Isn't that nice? See, my problem with this is that, you know, every, every one of us has this. We've had relatives. I've had a relative. I had um, my aunt. I had an aunt that was born with Down syndrome. She was the sweetest soul. She was beloved in the family. She lived to be in her 60s. And uh, she is missed to this day. She has passed on. 
And the thought that somebody would look at her and say, this is a drag on the system. This would make me take up weapons. You know? The stigma against bearing children who are not considered genetically perfect is so strong that the New York Times actually published a piece arguing that there's actually an ethical case for allowing children afflicted to be born as if being disabled makes one too large a burden on society to, to exist. And you don't have to be a bioethicist to explain why people like this should be allowed to live. Because they have a soul. But this is modernism. This is modernism. And this divines the value of life itself for oneself as being entirely defined by your ability to be entirely hedonistic. And if you can't, well, then your cost to society and life has no, your life has no value. So in, in, in a fascist or communist regime, and those are both status, they have no rights built into those. Um, the, the thing that becomes, um, of important is how valuable are you to the state? And if you have no value to the state, if you become a drain on the state, um, they're going to judge you on some intersectional sliding scale, and they're going to they're going to impose a sort of inf affirmative action on human value. And the bottom line is the same. See, they don't re they don't regard the life you have as a gift from God, and because your life is not a gift from God, and they don't regard you as having a soul, well, then you're just an, an animal. I can see. This, in some cases, where we have a loved one who is, you know, 105 and just is not enjoying life anymore and they're sick and it's they're headed that way. Okay, I see it then. I get it. I don't get it for anybody else. This is eugenics. This is Nazism. We'll be right back. This is News Talk 98.9 WORD. On the text line, I got a text. This is actually a very good point. The GS Plumbing Talk line is 800 The Common Sense Retirement Planning text line is 71307. You know, in World War II, we went out there and we secured Europe because the, the Germans were coming, and they, they wanted to conquer all of Europe. Now, Europe, Russia would have had something to say about it, and it turned out Russia was, uh, they have a lot of stamina, and they were able to take a lot of stuff. I mean, they when they were, during the siege, um, it got down to some Russians eating other dead Russians just to survive. What an what a awful amount of de devotion they had to their goal to to go that route, right? But then we look at this and we you look at what the Netherlands is doing. <clears throat> we look at what the rest of Europe is doing to itself. And I got to ask a question. Why did we do it? Why do we continue to do it? You know, when I was in, when I was stationed in Europe, every time I went to the field, I very rarely saw 
European soldiers training alongside us. I've not come to this because this is U.S. Army. I'm U.S. Army. As being NATO, if you look at NATO, if you look at the baseball bat that is NATO, well, it's all of the hand, most of the barrel of the bat, and maybe the tip end of the bat is the rest of Europe. And we enabled this welfare state. We're now... Didn't do that, didn't do that. We're now... We have... Uh, them killing people that become a drain on the welfare state. Did we waste all those lives and all of that effort and all of that time to try to save them from a from a predator only for them to become predatory themselves? They obviously have no value for human life. And that's, on the one hand, I could sit back and say, oh, what a shame. They have no value for human life. But you know what? I'm sorry now. I'm, uh, my, my military service that I gave that I would do again, it would be no big deal for me to do it again if I were young and could do it. I don't know if I'd do it in this time. I would certainly go back in the 80s and do a few things differently. But uh, besides that, uh, I, you know, my time, I don't feel like it was wasted because I was defending the nation, or I thought I was. And it turns out that what I was enabling was I was enabling the d development of the deep state, and I was enabling the welfare state of Europe. And that, in and of itself, is bad enough. That's all bad enough, in and of itself. Except now you look at it and you're like, well, so the welfare state has gotten to the point now to where if, you, if you're born and you're... Uh, if you're born and maybe you're not good looking, or maybe maybe you're left-handed, or maybe maybe you you uh, you you're an auditory learner and it looks like you're disabled or something. All of these little quirks that make humanity so interesting. If you're born with one of them, you might be a drain on the welfare state, and that makes you pop up in the crosshairs of state-assisted killing. And let's make let's not uh, let's not sugarcoat this, shall we? <laughs> I don't care if you're sitting down. If you go into a place and they're playing Beethoven because that's your favorite, and you lay back and they have a nice uh, nice pillow for you to lay your head back on, and they start the uh, they start the start the IV that's going to send the cocktail into your into your body that's going to kill you. They're killing you. They're killing you, and you get to watch it happen. And you're probably leaning into it because you've been convinced that this is the best thing for you. And you give up the biggest gift. One of the, I mean, you know, I carrying a gun. You know how uncomfortable carrying a gun is. Some of you do. Some of you do. And I mean, I carry a gun. I do not carry a, a, a gun designed to be comfortable to hide out. And that's nothing against any of you that may do that. But I have a different, I have a different thought process about why I carry a gun and what I might have to do with it. So, uh, I carry that because of the fact that, uh, I value my life. I'm trying to make it harder for somebody to try to kill me over my wallet. 
But here we are on Independence Day, and I'm sitting here, and I'm just thinking about what the the, the welfare states that you know in Germany, where I was, where I was, where I was uh, stationed, they told us that there was no such thing as homeless in Germany, and yet we would go out onto the economy, as they said, and uh, we would find people laid out all over the place, and that was in the 80s. And they did have a very big welfare state then, and it's bigger now. That's why they have been having to import these Muslims to pay in. Those are the only ones that want to come in and pay in because they're not having babies. You know, they're, they're letting themselves die out. So they were trying to, we got to continue. They had more people taken from the welfare system than they had paying into it. And that's where it becomes problematic. So what can we do? Well, let's, in, let's invite a bunch of Islamic fundamentalists into our country so they can take that over. But before that happens, let's also kill all the autistic and Down syndrome babies that are being born. Or if they are somehow born accidentally, let's suggest to them that they let us kill them. Because aren't you alone? Who's suggesting to an autistic person that you're alone? Who's suggesting to them that they're lonely and they can't stand it. Who, who's doing that? Who, who's suggesting that to them? Who's t got their ear? The people who do that, the people who suggest this to anybody, anywhere, are murderers. It is not for them to decide when someone that is born, one of God's children is born. It's not for them to decide what's good and what's not good for them. Life is tough. It is hard, and uh, it is a gift that cannot be duplicated by man. When we get back, one of the one of the other places that has gone sort of sideways, and they're enjoying it right now, is France. We're going to talk some more about France. This is News Talk ninety eight nine W O R D, the Voice of the Carolinas. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is the leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. 